Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep. On today's episode, it is another Effort Weekly with the team from NC Fit, Gabe Yanez, and Matt De La Valle. Today's episode is awesome. I always love talking with these guys. We started off by talking about this quote that I saw in the wrestling room, preparation changes expectation and what that meant to us. We go into the value of strength conditioning for longevity and a few other touchy subjects that of course we had to get into was, does a coach need to train and should there be junk food in the gym? Before we dive into the episode, two simple asks. First one, leave us a rating, leave us a review, screenshot this and let us know what you think about the episode and maybe even tag us on social and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about. Second thing, if you're an athlete, If you're training in your garage, if you're training at the gym and you haven't checked out the NC Fit app, it is a workout that all of us do on a regular basis. NCX is my go-to strength conditioning or every now and then I throw in that NC Flex for a little bit of that bodybuilding feel. Go check it out, the NC Fit app, and make sure to leave us a rating or review. Let's have an incredible episode with the guys. Hope you guys all have a phenomenal day. Let's go. Last night, I take Caden to his first uh, formal wrestling practice. So he has had uh, some one-on-ones. He's done a lot of jujitsu and, and mixed martial arts privately. You know, s- privately. And uh, two takeaways from last night. One, uh, one was this quote that I want to talk about. And the other was, so last night, we finished the training. We get back home. We're talking to my wife and my daughter. And uh, my son goes, I say, oh, do you, you know, do you want me to set you back up with some privates again for, for, for wrestling to supplement the class setting? And he goes, dad, I, I only want to do it with other kids. I don't want to do it alone. And I found that to be interesting because for years he's been saying he never wants to do it with another kid. And now out of the blue, he changes his mind. And it was a good example of how what you think is just rock solid for a kid or even for an adult can shift and change over time. And so that was, a, that was a good, uh, I think learning lesson for him is that you're, you're steadfast in your conviction, but those can change over time and that's okay. He went from never wanting to be with the kids to now only want to be with kids and not do privates anymore. But what, uh, what yeah. do you think? Um, did he give you any sort of like extra insight there or did he, how well, old is he now? He's seven. But I think what's interesting about it is that we could use that in our real life example is that, um, you know, and we've talked about this before, MDV and Gabe is like, you know, what you believe in today could shift and that's okay. You know, and, and, and that's, that's a good thing to at least be open-minded enough, but he was so convicted that like, he never wanted to touch another kid. He didn't want to have that, that, that like, um, you know, cause wrestling or jujitsu is very, uh, personal. Right. And I think that it just took time for him to realize that he needed to be more open to that. And then he did it. And sure enough. So last night he does this, uh, they go over this, some like outside single technique, which was beautiful. The coach did a phenomenal job. Really, really great. And then they do some sumo wrestling. So what they did is they set up like a little circle and the first kid to kind of push the other kid out, uh, got the point and they went first to three points. And so he went against this one kid and he did his thing and he, he did well, but then the second kid comes up and this kid was actually pretty talented and Caden just kind of gets underneath his armpits and double legs him and gets him out of the ring. And I think that was a good learning lesson for him that he is strong and he is talented and he wanted to, he only knew that by training with other kids, his size. Cause I can't relate to him. Like when I train with them, it's not the same thing. Mm. I think that's what, what put it over the edge for him. 
last night. Gotcha. Yeah, well, I hope his convictions continue to change since he's, he's only seven years old. <laughs> well, but, I hope uh, so too. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's a cool one because I I mean I've been around Caden a, a bunch and you know he can be shy and uh, it's cool to see him breaking out of some of that stuff and definitely cool to see him say that he wants to be training with the other kids. It's really easy to say that I want to continue to train with you, Dad, because it's a no or no no or low risk environment. That's like always training in jujitsu with like the black belt, right? Because if you're a lower belt or a white belt and you're always just training with a black belt you kind of know that that person is either going to give you looks or not give you looks, but there's no extra pressure that you will fail or succeed because you're meant to fail there. Like it's so out of whack. The yeah, talent yeah. gap is huge The But when you go against somebody who's your own size, your own weight, your own experience, and now you have to actually quote unquote fight that person, it'd be a little bit more stressful. Super stressful, but I got to tell you, the, the quote that was on the wall that I wanted to talk about was preparation changes expectation. And so this wrestling room is like something out of like old school. I mean, it's just, it's a room, maybe, I don't know, 50 feet by 50 feet and just surrounded by pictures and quotes, the whole thing. There's actually a quote on the ceiling that says, if you're reading this, you're getting pinned, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but the whole room was just like, I walk in there, you got the JV team and the kids team and they're playing like classic rock. And dude, it just feels like you're something out of like an old school movie and they are grind. Dude, these kids are just sprawling and burpees. And, you know, in the, in the middle of practice, if you look around the room, there was a pegboard, a pull-up bar and a rope. That's it. It was, and an old school airdyne. So I enjoyed it, but the quote was preparation changes expectation. And I found that to be something really powerful uh, that we could lean into and talk about. I think just about anybody who's ever wrestled in their life, if you close your eyes and picture a wrestling room, you're probably picturing something very similar to what you saw last night. They all pretty much look the same. I'm sure that there's some differences now with like the higher end facilities, but like they're pretty much just four walls of mats and then some quotes and some pictures and then lots and lots of sweat, lots of sweat. Yeah. So anyways, preparation, uh, changes expectation. Um, when I think about that, I think about it in terms of like, you know, anything, let's just say it's a, a business meeting you have, let's just say it's a, whatever it might be or CrossFit games, or if your preparation is on point, if every day you're thinking about, Hey, how am I going to put myself in a position to win? How am I going to, how am I going to thrive your, your expectation? Then when you actually get on the mat or when you get to the games or when you get to that business meeting, it changes. And I think that that was just meaningful for me because if your expectation is going to be that you're going to be a, I don't know, top 10 at the CrossFit games, um, you need to have the preparation to then change that to, Oh, I'm going to be top three. Um, and that's why I read it. Yeah. I love that, man. I, I, I wish I could have wrestled in, in high school, in college. Um, I swam competitively. Like that was like the thing that I did all my life, like club high school. And it was the same season. So I couldn't do it. Even though we, my high school like started was in the process of like actually starting an actual wrestling team and did so like my last two years. So definitely one of the regrets that I never got to try out that out. I think it's, it's, it's a sport that has so many intangibles that people get out of it. Um, and I love hearing about people that have done it in the past. It's sometimes some of the most impressive athletes. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I, we talk about this all the time, preparation and, and just how important that stuff is. And I think it ties to one thing that I wanted to talk about, 
And I was literally just listening. I'm not done with the episode, but Peter Atia, who's like one of these health nut guys that I, I, I love listening to is on, on Rogan's podcast. And he was talking about how, you know, wanting to be this like active older person, you know, but not preparing for it, not training for it just doesn't make any sense, right? Like, how can you say that you want to be able to do all these things that you love into your old age, but not prepare or train for it? And it was interesting because he was bringing up and, and he's, you know, his whole profession is to like dive into the science and like hard facts behind everything he says. So he was putting out some pretty interesting statistics that I had never kind of, you know, surprised me, you know, like we all know that smoking and obesity make you less healthy, right? Like we all know that that stuff isn't good for you, but the data says that that increases your chance of like all cause morbid morbidity by threefold. However, exercising regularly, like increasing your, and the, the primary things he was talking about were strength and cardiovascular endurance, increasing those two things lowers your all cause morbidity by fivefold. So it's crazy to think that smoking and diabetes increase your risk threefold, but exercising and increasing those two things decrease it by fivefold. Now, does that mean that people should go out there and not care that they're smoking or aren't particularly healthy and just work out? No. And a part of that is going to decrease that. But to me, it was just really powerful that the data shows that exercise and what we do, you know, in, in the fitness space is that damn powerful. So I, I thought that was really cool. And I recommend you guys check that podcast out if you haven't. Yeah. I haven't listened to it just yet. You know, the one thing about statistics like that is we, I, we might've mentioned healthy user bias in the past, but you know, if you're looking at somebody who exercises every single day or exercises regularly, that person is probably much more likely to be doing a lot of other things in their life that are healthful, that might reduce all cause, all cause morbidity, like eating well, uh, taking vitamins, so, getting stuff, whatever. But the thing that we're looking at, they weren't looking at the habit. They weren't looking at you exercise more. They were looking at like your actual strength as measured by like dead hang grip strength and your actual VO2 max. So while I agree with you, I think that healthy user bias is a, is, is a big thing that we have to look at in these studies. This wasn't looking at someone that exercises seven times a week versus once a week. It was actually looking at like the end result that comes from doing that kind of stuff. The argument being that you should be training. Well, it's the same, but it's the same argument, Gabe. Like if somebody gets to that result where they have a super long grip hold or they have an extremely high VO2 max, you would, you would postulate that that person probably also is not smoking. They're not eating crazy terrible foods. They, they might be, but like, I think that those kind of like, I'm not disagreeing with the ultimate outcome of the study. I just, it's tough to parse out. Like, uh, is it only exercise? Like, is this person, if it, it, are we looking at a group of people who have smoked and eaten shit food for years and only exercised? And then we go, all right, the independent variable there associated with five times lowering the morbidity is only exercise. Or are we looking at a group of people that's completely mixed and have all these different things going on? Um, I would just want to look at like, all right, how, how, many, how many people, what was the demographic of the people? And what was like the actual data that backed up whether or not these people were 
exercise fanatics only and yeah. you know smokers and eating fucking McDonald's and that's what caused the the five uh, times unlikely lower. yeah unlike highly unlikely in the future unlikely, I want to be able right? to pull up these studies that we talk about right that's something that I want to do as we continue to have these conversations that happen weekly is be able to pull it up and then talk about it because you know we have more of like I mean I've been in the trenches now and I know you guys have for you know my whole life. I mean, I started in the fitness space when I was 15. And so looking at some of these studies, I think is really interesting. We can talk about them more in the future. We want to be able to pull these up. I think that'd be great. Yeah. And, and MDB, I, I agree with you. Um, but I think that, you know, what, what really kind of, you know, was a cool moment for me is regardless of what the exact numbers are, like, I think that sometimes we forget or maybe not forget, but don't realize how powerful what we do as coaches and gym owners is, um, and, you know, they were talking about like very specific examples about how like, you know, all cause morbidity, like for older people, falls are like the worst thing that can happen. Right. Oh, I was like, about to say. Yeah. Bone density, yeah. Like, it, fall, it's crazy yep. because our age group, 30s, 40s, accidental deaths happen the most in actually drug overdoses. But when you get older, it's falls that are like, you know, really, really bad for people. And so he was talking about how like, grip strength, and also eccentric strength, because he was saying like, you know, what are you more likely to get injured doing? Like climbing up a very steep hill or climbing down a very steep hill and saying mm -hmm. how like really helping people with eccentric strength, as opposed to concentric strength is what can really help people as they age. Like if you lose your balance, like stop yourself. If you end up falling, like be able to brace yourself with your arms and just how in his practice where he helps people with, you know, longevity and, and, you know, um, increasing health span, not just lifespan. So not just being able to live longer, but being able to actually be active and do all the things that you want longer. They do a lot of this tempo training. And, you know, one of the tests that they want people to do is be able to step off of a box, but do it in a three second negative and be able to control that. And I just thought it was really cool how he was diving into essentially a lot of the things that we do in the programming that we put out um, as things that is really made from like a very scientific point of view, trying to help people live longer and, and, and really be able to be active longer, which Jason, I know is something you're super passionate about is, is behind everything we do at NC fit. So just seeing those things align, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes sense because you're talking about, you know, exercise and sport as means to develop balance, accuracy, coordination, all those types of things, agility, you're going to get those things from working out. And as you get older, they become more important when you're talking about accuracy or balance of, you know, walking up stairs or walking downstairs. The other thing I think that I, I read somewhere and I would have to go back and look it up, but the only thing that changes the actual composition of your bones is lifting weights, putting weight, physical load on your body and spending time under tension. And in terms of fortifying yourself as you get older to not have catastrophic breaks from falls. I'm not talking about humongous falls. I'm talking about just falls down a couple of steps or falls in your house where you break your hip, you break your leg, whatever. And that obviously can lead to really bad stuff when you're older, lifting weights when you're younger and continuing to do that, obviously respecting the journey as you get older is one of the only things that can help hedge against that. So extremely important. Well, I was talking to Sal from Mind Pump about resistance training. And when he thinks about resistance training, obviously you have external loads, but you also have your own body weight. I'll give you a real life example. My mother-in-law broke her ankle 
two weeks ago and she broke her ankle. Um, she walked up the top of the stairs and she just, she, she realized she forgot something or whatever it was. And she turned back around to go back down the stairs. She didn't fall down the stairs. It was just that pivot, that turn that broke her ankle. Boom, clean break. She's currently in like a soft cast or whatever it is. And it's been a huge pain in the ass, of course, but it was a really interesting lesson for me because my mother-in-law is actually pretty healthy and she swims every single day and her conditioning is probably pretty good, but I don't know if she ever does any form of resistance outside of the pool. And so coming out of this, one of the things that her and I were discussing was incorporating. Now, how much would this have helped her ankle? Look, I know that's a lot of speculation, but I do think that as she gets older and bone density becomes a challenge, especially for women, she should start incorporating some of this resistance training, even if it's just body weight. I've been getting my dad back into it big time. So it's been good. Um, he's been using a, a loaded backpack and going out for walks, which has been super powerful. I thought that yeah. was a real life example. I, I, I mean, share. this comes back to like one of those quotes that you'll see on Instagram where it's like deadlifting is bad for your back. And it's like, well, actually, you know, what's bad for your back is not knowing how to deadlift, right? Like those kinds of things, although they are eye catching, they really ring true. Like, you don't want to get fucking hurt picking up a piece of paper off of the ground because you don't have the midline stability, the strength and the awareness of how to do that. Obviously there's freak accidents, there's tweaks and stuff like that, that will always happen. But to create that hedge, there's, there's nearly nothing better than knowing how to move your body properly and then adding load responsibly. Well, I was just going to say another crazy stat. All this stuff is right in my mind because I was li literally listening to this podcast all morning while we did farm tours and stuff. Um, so they also said, and this is crazy, and it goes to your point, MDV, that it, for, there was a study done on people that were of age, I think like 60 and older, 50 and older, and they had them on like a strength training regimen and a high protein diet. And through six months, they were able to gain, I forget the exact amount, but like a pretty impressive amount of lean body mass, like muscle mass, which is one of the things that you want to build and maintain to your point as you age. Then there was a separate study and it took six months to get to that amount. I forget how much it was, say five pounds. There was a separate study, same age group, where they put a group of people on bed rest and it took only 10 days for them to lose that same amount, whatever it was, five pounds. So it's crazy how you know, it's, it's so much work. And this is why people have to be consistent. It's an ongoing journey to like build this hedge and, you know, like sedentary being sedentary is so, so, so bad because it's crazy. That same amount, 10 days versus six months, Dude. 10 days, 10 days, I'll, I'll, real life example. Ava had to relearn to walk a little bit and that, that was an, Ava had to like so she was on bed rest for a while because she was going through her treatment. And it was all messed up. And there was a time where she didn't get out of bed for, I want to say like a week. Uh, and dude, watching her get up out of bed was like a big deal. And she couldn't really walk to the bathroom. And it's just a really great example. I had to help carry her. We're talking short periods of time that could really make a big impact. And I didn't realize that until I saw it, you know, and that's even in a young person. So yeah, I was used to, yeah kind of refer back, I mean, back in like my Globo gym days, right? Like back when I first started weight training. Buys and tries, yeah. <laughs> baby, chest and back. Or, or uh, I think one of the old dudes in the yeah. locker room who was using like a postage stamp to cover up his <laughs> junk told me one day that, uh, you know, atrophy starts after about two weeks. There's no one uh, more no confident one. in the world than an old guy in a gym locker room 
that has also like a sauna and a steam. Like there's, there's nobody in the world who's more confident. I mean, this guy's leg is like up on the wall as he's talking to you and like powder everywhere. It's nonstop. Oh, so Ava went into her first women's locker room uh, last week because we got a new membership at this place that has a women's locker room. She goes, dad, like, you know, some of the women in there were naked. I was like, yeah, you know, like kind of the way it works is this, but as people have a tendency to age, they, they have a tendency to be more free about, they just get comfortable. Right. And I told her, I was like, when I was working at the traditional gym in high school and college, there'd always be this one guy, always the same guy. After you work out, he'd be in the locker room for what seemed like to be hours. And he would use a hairdryer on himself downstairs to dry off his jug. Classic. Was, but it was like, it was always like, you know, just no, no fucks given, right? Just sit there just like, you know. <laughs> That confidence is uh Yeah, I'm convinced like if we sure. are actually in like a matrix type of program and they're like they're just replicating one guy, that one that old one dude guy. over and over and over. Yeah. And putting him into all the locker rooms around the world. And it doesn't matter like what this guy is packing downstairs either. Like he it could be like the smallest thing in the world and he's he's walking around with the utmost confidence. <laughs> oh man. But uh, MDP, I want to know what did he what did he actually say? Oh, that atrophy occurs after two weeks of not not training um so somebody it might not have been the old dude in the locker room but somebody at one point had told me that and it's one of those things that i just always remember um you know for some reason my mind really latches on to different facts or different stories that people have told me over time or different like words that people have said to me and like i never ever forget like that for some reason that kernel of two weeks until your muscles start to atrophy. I don't know whether or not it has any scientific backing. I just remember somebody told me that. People don't realize also that like walking is a weight bearing exercise. Like walking is, you know, sometimes not given, I think as much um, respect as it should is just something that is incredibly beneficial, not only for people as they age, but just, you know, I mean, I know you're out there getting a walk with the ruck all the time. And it's just, it's such an important piece to keep your body moving, and, you know, like the whole, like, you should take rest days every now and then, like, yes, you shouldn't probably be doing the same type of high intensity training every day, but like going out for a walk or a weighted walk, you know, is an incredibly beneficial way to get some good movement in and some good resistance training, weight bearing training on a day where like, you know, maybe you do have to leave the weights at home or yeah. whatever. So it's easy to motivate yourself too. like one of the things that I've found so we've been, you know, I do morning cardio every day and it's hard for me to motivate myself to go out there and like crush it. It is. I, I just, I don't have it. Uh, later as the day progresses, I get more and more inspired to like go and crush it. But in the morning, I just, I don't have it. And um, so getting on the bike or going for a, like a 40 minute ruck with a 45 pound pack, like there's almost zero motivation, at least for me that I need because they're not that crazy. I'll put in my AirPods. I'll either be on calls, I'll listen to a podcast, whatever, or I'll listen to music and you just walk. And, but when you're done, you feel like you're kind of Mark Bell uses this term, like putting points on the scoreboard. I just feel like you already feel like you're putting points on the scoreboard this morning. Ava and I went for 15 minutes. We put points on the scoreboard. It was just a nice way to start the day, you know? So I'd recommend that for anybody. And, uh, it's so huge. So huge. Yeah. You know, in terms of what, what we look at as our, like, general existence right now here in the you know western united states where we have a lot of advantages we're able to sit in front of computers all day and stuff like that 
if you're only doing about, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of working out or 20 minutes of working out, if that's it. If that's all you do for the day and then you sit your butt down in front of your computer and you don't have a lot of other movement. I was talking to somebody the other day. They were saying that like, hey, when I used to go into work at the office, I used to walk so much more because of like walking back and forth between buildings, walking around the track at the building, walking to the cafeteria, walking back to my desk. But now I work from home and all I do is just sit in my computer and, and look at it all day. And I'm, I'm gaining weight. I don't know why. I was like, well, your activity is like, it's actually down. You, you're working out in the morning. You're doing the same workouts that you were doing when you were going to work. But now instead of having all that additional 20 or 30 or even like 40 minutes of walking per day, you, you don't have that. You got to try to maybe add some of that back in. But like you said, it's so good for you, not only for just your basic longevity and building up bone density. It's just a primal motor pattern that we're all actually built to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was this someone who used to work at Reebok because Reebok had this badass track. So dude, Reebok HQ before they moved yeah, it was, was pretty cool. badass. It was like, it was super cool, man. It was like a college campus and they had this beautiful track and it was in Canton, Massachusetts. Yeah. And it was that was awesome. like a fantasy land, man. When I, when, when we were working there from, I think like 2010, I think it was 2010 or 2011. I, I went over there and then worked there until 2015 or 2016. I forget, but either way that campus was beautiful. It was like going into a college campus. It had this 30,000 square foot CrossFit gym that had every piece of equipment, every tool, every toy that you could ever imagine. It was like a perfect gym, humongous open floor space, a uh, hundred meter, I think it's a hundred meters of turf, either a hundred meters of turf. You had this other open area where there's Olympic lifting platforms and squat racks and a freaking the longest rig that I think had ever been built at the time was in Reebok CrossFit HQ. And then you would walk over and this was separate from the main building, but you'd walk over to the main building, which was this like sprawling grassy kind of modern looking building that had a track that ran underneath the building and then intersected it somewhere in the middle. They had a basketball court inside the building. They had another weight room in there showers, locker rooms and stuff like that. They had a barber. It was a pretty cool campus, man. That was, that was at like the, the peak of Reebok for me, a barber. Yeah. Barb, the, Dude, barber. the barber, Barb, the barber. She was like, it was all the gossip would happen at the barber chair. You would hear like, who's getting, who's getting fired and who's <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Barb would know. Barb knew all the, all the gossip. No, that was a special place, man. Very special place. Going back real quick to yeah. the to the people being more sedentary now and not not walking to work, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't realize, especially if they're like, you know, on a cut, trying to lose a little bit of weight, is this idea of NEAT, which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is just fancy speak for everything else that you do that's burning calories that isn't your workout. And people don't realize that even if you know, you're doing the same amount of exercise. I'm going in, I'm doing the same workouts, 90 minutes a day, 60 minutes a day, whatever it is, you will at some point, especially if you're like in a very, very heavy caloric deficit, like slow down everything else you do. So like, even to the fact where you'll like, you'll blink less or blink slower, you'll be less fidgety. You'll not notice, but you'll spend less time walking around and people underestimate how many calories are burned doing everything you do outside of working out and how much that can slow down if you're, 
you know, like, Hey, I can't lose these last X amount of pounds. So I'm just like eating less and less and less. And your body's literally slowing down and slowing down and slowing down. And yes, you might still be doing the same workouts, but you might even be able to hit them with the same amount of intensity. So that's something that, um, you know, Ariel, who's, who's a nutrition coach helps a lot of clients with because they end up just not approaching it the right way and almost going like too hard on how little they eat and not realizing how much that slowing down of everything you do impacts how many calories you're burning in a day. I mean, it makes complete sense from like an evolutionary perspective. If, if you're constantly restricting the amount of food that you're eating, if you're always in a deep deficit, your body's going to, at least this is what I would think, your body's going to go, oh shit, we have to hold on to every last shred of fat that we have because winter is coming. You know, like that, that that's probably what the body ends up thinking. Um, no, it's a really interesting topic. Um, I was, <laughs> this is so, so off topic. I was, we were watching like a nature documentary the other night. And, um, you know, I, I just asked this like really basic question because I had never really thought about it. I was eating an apple and watching this nature documentary. And I was like, why do, why do trees produce fruit? Like why, why do trees have this thing that hangs from it that eventually were you taking shrooms at the same time that you were thinking about this? Maybe a little minor, <laughs> some minor THC was involved. But I was eating an yeah. apple and I was like, how did we get to the point where I'm eating this thing that this tree produced? But to think about it is crazy because like, this is like a, how many million year process? 40 million year, 100 million year process in which this thing, this tree went through this evolutionary cycle where it was like, oh, if I grow these, and then I drop them to the floor and then animals eat them and then take the seeds and shit the seeds out somewhere else, more trees will grow. Like, and I'm sure somebody's going to listen to this. Who's like a science teacher and be like, you're an idiot. That's not actually why it happened. But like in my own brain, that's like, that's, <laughs> that's probably why it happens. That's probably why it's, it's a, in, in order to ensure that more of me replicates, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create this delicious thing that animals want. And then they're going to go spread the seeds. It's crazy. It's, I, I mean, that's, that, that's always what I thought was the point and, and, and how that works. Dude, I mean, you want to talk about just like nature and how trippy some of this stuff is, man. It is crazy. I have to, I'll have to send you a picture to you guys. But we have a tree in the back that like literally fell over. It must have happened like years ago, like strong wind, storm, whatever. Like it fell over. And it's the trippiest thing ever because it's growing. It, it then grew, the branches turned into roots. And so you can see that this tree that fell over, like a branch was probably touching the soil just enough that it started going into the soil. And so now this tree is like a, a tree that is clearly fallen over, but the branches are now the roots and it's this crazy looking tree. But just to think about A, how many years it takes for that to happen. And just the fact that like that happens is super trippy. So anyway, um, that that's what that reminded me of. I'll send you guys a picture. Dude, send us a picture of that. Yeah, I want I want to see what that looks like. I don't uh, I don't get as deep in the weeds as it as as maybe you guys are are, are thinking about it. But when you do bring it up, it, it does obviously it's it's mind boggling. But I don't really get too uh, into it. You know, the, the kids are interested in this kind of stuff, so maybe we'll start exploring more and more of it. But some stuff in life, man, if you if you think about it too much, like. 
I mean, <laughs> like a baby, for example, fits in, in a woman's <laughs> stomach. I mean, I just, what the hell? And then it comes out. I mean, I tend crazy to think stuff, a lot man. about like time and about how much time an almost unfathomable amount of time has passed in order for all of these different things to get to the point that they're at today. Like I'll be sitting there looking at my dog and I'll be like, you at some point long, many, many million years ago derived from like a wolf that's running around. But that wolf probably looked like completely different and was like, had all these different attributes and stuff like that. And eventually it all split off. Anyway, I know that this is like, this is super like Rogan, Rogan rabbit hole type of stuff here, but it's interesting to me. I did want to bring it back to something that uh, more in line with like the fitness discussion, because I was thinking about this this morning. Do you guys think that coaches, people that coach fitness, and we've talked about this lightly before, but I want to just kind of bring it back up. People that coach fitness, do they have a responsibility to train or 100%? What? Why? I mean, in large part, the reasons that we were talking before, like it's, it's, to me, it doesn't seem genuine at all to go out there and preach that this is something so important, which it absolutely is without like living it yourself. And again, I, I don't think training means that, you know, I'm a coach at a functional fitness CrossFit gym and I'm like hitting a, a, a high intensity workout every single day, but I should be prioritizing exercise as a pillar of health if I am going out there and helping people do the same thing, because there's no... What, what would any reasonable excuse be for why this isn't something that I do? I mean, and I would take a slightly different approach on it. I'd say, yes, I think everyone should exercise. I think if you're a coach in particular, you should. However, I would say that if you're adding value to your clients and you're building a business and people are willing to pay you for your service, you must be doing something that is adding enough value that they're willing to pay you and so for that reason alone, if you decide you don't want to exercise, obviously I want to encourage you. I think it's a great idea. I also think it's important to practice what you preach. But if you're so good at what you're doing that people are still paying you and they're getting value from what you're doing and you don't train, I mean, who's to say you have to train? It's just something that I think you should do, but I think everybody should do that. Um, it'd be like if, uh, I, I don't know the, 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 the great analogy, right? But I don't, I don't think that you have to be, I think it's important to back up what you say, but at the same time, if someone sees enough value to pay you for your service, then it doesn't really matter. But if you were, if you worked for, uh, this is, it's a little bit of a different example, but that would be like, if you worked for like a car company, but then you didn't really believe at all in like driving cars ever, like you like in your personal life, you were telling people like, oh, like, you know, cars are not great. And I just ride my bike. Every I don't know. That's a weird example. But I, I don't know if I agree there, Jason, because I just think that there's so much more to this than just like the physical manifestation of your fitness, right? I think that ultimately, people who are telling other people that they should work out and that they should eat right, and that, you know, they should really prioritize their health. I think if you're not doing that to some level, I'm not, you don't have to be elite, you don't have to be ripped, but if you're not doing that to some level in your own life, or if the ball is rolling the opposite direction, if it's 
actually going the opposite way where you're you're demonstrating bad habits and you're gaining weight, you're not exercising, you're getting sedentary. I think that at that point, it's almost like wildly irresponsible or at least like a crisis of almost like an ethical question. But wouldn't the market, wouldn't the market dictate that though, is I guess what I'm saying. So like if, if we're talking about from but that's an like economic, yeah, capitalistic economic question at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the debate would be if you're a coach and you're not exemplifying the, the, the perspective that you think if your, your clients will see through that potentially, or they should, if it's that grossly and that bad, and therefore the market will write itself. If you want to be a coach, you probably in, in some way, shape or form have to embody that to attain the, the clientele to pay you. Let's pre- um, hold on. Let, 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 let me, I, let me pretend I, yeah. we have, this is a fictional circumstance. We have a coach right now on our floor who the member, the current members, they all enjoy and they all like, and they're continuing to come into class. But when you look at that person and you see what they eat and then you see their habits, they're not training, they're eating junk food. And you notice that, hey, this is starting to slip for this person. This is going the opposite way, but the members are still loving it. Members are still digging it. What about the people who are coming in who don't know that member? Or the people who walk into the gym and don't know that coach, the people who walk in and go, oh, like, is this how it's going down here? It's like, this person's got McDonald's bag over here. And like, you know, that they kind of look like they haven't slept in days and I kind of maybe smell alcohol on their breath. Like, where are you at in that discussion? Well, I think in that particular case, then the owner has to go and have a conversation with them. I'm, I guess I'm more referring for like a personal training perspective that if you're a personal trainer, and your book of business is growing and you're impacting lives, great. And if it's not, then you're probably not a good example. Now, in your particular case, the one you bring up, of course, the owner of the business would have to have a conversation because you have contradicting things. Um, I mean, this is a good conversation to have. I just think that ultimately the, 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 the clients will, will write any potential issues but maybe I'm naive. To I, think I agree with you. I think that in the hypothetical that like, oh, you're still impacting lives and people still love you. You're a personal trainer. People are coming in and you might not be training, you might not be doing these things. I mean, I don't know if this is unnecessarily harsh, but I mean, that's, I would define that as a fraud. Like you're pushing something that you don't believe in just for the sake of, you know, because what's, what's the motivation then? Because if the motivation is, hey, I'm impacting these lives because I know that this is important for them, but you're not practicing it in yourself, then to me, it's there's no logical connection there between you actually believing what it is that you're pushing. And to me, that that's the definition of a fraud. And yes, frauds can be successful for a certain amount of time, sometimes a very, very long time in, in whatever aspect. Um, but I think at the end of the day, that's just what it is. And, you know, do a lot of the times the market yeah. shakes out and like frauds end up, you know, collapsing 100%. But I think that that's what it is. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. I'm, and I think that that's why I like longer format like this. You know, when we start having conversations with guests or by ourselves and we talk about fitness, we could bring real world experience, right? Like I was in the garage this morning, with my daughter, uh, you know, I'm going to be training in a little bit. And I think the longer format people can start picking up on who's authentic with their message and who um, can maybe put on a front for lack of a better term. And I think that on social media, it's really easy at times to, to get little clips 
but maybe in other areas and build a brand around that. But that's why I have a tendency to like longer format because not only do I think we could add more value to people, but I also think it gives us an opportunity in the future to really establish ourselves as legitimate health and wellness people because people could see through um, just kind of like smoke and mirrors, which I think some social media is for some people, not everybody, of course. I don't know where you were going with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know where we're going to the conversation, but I don't know if up. I saw the connection, but I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree as well. Hey, I wanted, <laughs> I got another kind of tangentially related question for you guys. Hey, tangents. This one, this one drew some ire when I posted it on social media, and I want to get your guys' oh. reaction. Does junk food have any place whatsoever in a fitness facility, in a, in a gym? Let's, let's call it the four walls of the gym. Should junk food ever cross the threshold during the normal co- co- uh, course of business? Not during like a celebration, not during like a party, an anniversary or anything like that, but just on the day-to-day activity. Should coaches and front desk staff in particular and members by extension ever be quote unquote allowed or okay to bring junk food into the gym. What's oh junk man, food? it's a whole nother, whole nother conversation. Uh-huh. But that's just, just label this. I, I think, are we talking donuts and, and, and uh, whatever? Well, we let's keep it like, around fast food. We'll, we'll keep it in the realm of like traditionally junky food. Like, yes, really sugar laden treats and snacks and things that are like Entenmann's cakes and donuts and fast food. Let's just keep it over there because I think if we get into the, what is junk food conversation, it's a little bit of a different combo, but just really basic. Should that stuff ever cross the threshold into the gym? I mean, I think this is pretty simple too. I, I, I think absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I think that it's all a part of like what it is we're trying to do in these locations. And here's the thing, like I, I've had this conversation with you before, MDV. Like, I think that for some people, if long-term consistency, like having that, you know, Friday, like I'm watching TV and I'm going to have a bag of chips because that's just like my one part of the week to like really indulge in something, that's fine. But the gym isn't the space to promote that stuff. You're making it more difficult for people to break out of these really powerful food addictions if you are normalizing it in the one place that is supposed to be like a beacon of health and longevity. Like it's just, it's that simple to me. And I think that it's something that if I owned a gym, if I led a team of coaches, I would be probably one of the things that I would be strictest about um, and, and have a very clear why as to, as to why that stuff isn't okay. So I'll start by saying that we don't really have it in the gym that often. I think if you want to go down to the path of junk food, we could actually pivot to alcohol as well, um, which I think is a good uh, conversation to have. But I don't have as big of a problem with it as you guys do, um, in particular for like events or different things like like no, this is the no, chat normal work that we course did. of business. Man, I just I want day to day. Yeah, I just want your answer. Yeah. All I want is your answer. Yeah. I don't want any sort of extrapolation on like, oh, this is, <laughs> I, just tell me on. Monday through Sunday, daily on, basis. On a daily basis. No, no, there shouldn't be donuts and whatever. Um, but I do think like we had a group that are doing like these Friday uh, IPA Fridays. And it's like at 5 p.m. on Fridays, there's a, a group of people that drink some IPAs together. And I think that kind of stuff is important as well. We, we train hard, we work hard and creating that sense of community around uh, a beverage, I think is great. Same thing applies with, I think, like 
donuts or this and that. I think, you know, I don't know, biweekly or at special events, I, I think it has its place. I think it's good. That being the same at a gym, we took over a month or two ago, um, inside the refrigerator, there had been left, um, all the, the, um, components for a bloody Mary and also, uh, like a bunch of quarters light and just didn't have the right appeal. You walk into the gym, you see perfect bars, kill cliff and water. And then all of a sudden you see all this alcohol and stuff. It was just sitting there. I don't think that has its place, but I think for special events, it does. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with Gabe on this one. And I, for some reason I make a distinction and this is so arbitrary between junk food and something like a, a beer on a Friday afternoon. I, I, I know it's a double standard. I know that alcohol is unnecessary calories. It's poison. It causes more damage than most things in our everyday life. If you really, if you really, except for red wine, red wine <laughs> is, is, is allowed at any time of the day. No, no, no. Day. It's cool. I, I enjoy what I enjoy. And mezcal. Um, and mezcal. No, but you know, for me, this is, this is really challenging because I've, I've actually dealt with some staff members in the past who would like want to bring in things like, Oh, we're going to go and get burgers and bring them back to the gym at, at lunch. Or like, Hey, this is a, a, you know, a fried chicken Friday. I think that there was at one point and like, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but like when I look at that, I just want to have one fucking place on earth that we don't have to have fast food or junk food in people's faces nonstop. You go to every checkout counter in every store, any place that you would walk into and there's junk food all everywhere, all the time. And for me, the gym is like the last bastion of like freedom from that. And I'm not saying that you can't have the conversation about balance and hey, when can you have some of these things or how do you integrate them into your diet and your lifestyle without being too restrictive and leading to binges? How do you create that balance for yourself? Yeah, have, have the conversations all day. But I, I don't need fitness professionals sitting there chowing down on fast food. To me, that's wildly inappropriate. And I think in anybody who listens to this goes, well, I, you know, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, we're just, you know, having fun and creating balance. Like, you have to think about really deeply. You're bringing that stuff into a place where people are trying to change their lives and their bodies by not ingesting that stuff, by taking it out. I think it's uh, wildly inappropriate. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that where there is that flexibility with like the, the, the Friday beers and stuff, I don't know. I feel like it's been sharing a, a, a drink has just been such a big part of like social connection and gatherings for just so long. For sure. So I do see that being a little different for that reason than like, because if you are bringing, you know, whatever burgers, and not making that part of like a community event where we're all like, Hey, we're celebrating something like this is the meal that we're going to share. That to me doesn't have that same kind of like social gathering aspect that, you know, having the, the, the Friday beers. Now I get the double standard. Both of them aren't ideal, but I, I, I tend to agree that, you know, one seems maybe marginally more acceptable than the other, but I mean, overall, I mean, I, I, I think that the fact that these foods are so, 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 so like just widespread available, like the gym does have to be the one place. That's, that's the, the, the piece that I, I 100% agree with. Yeah. And, and for the record, right? Like I love hosting uh, barbecues for the gym 
and we're just cooking up some good chicken, some good, you know, good burgers, et cetera. But I think that is different when you're hosting a barbecue as a community event, than bringing in a bag of, you know, Burger King. And, um, on, on that same note too, like, uh, with the, the social aspect of drinking, I, I think is, is definitely something there. I mean, we've talked about that before, right? Um, you know, like MDV was doing the sober October and, you know, that's something that I haven't been able to, to break through yet. I think that might be something we do in the future, but I mean, that's a very social thing for my family and I, uh, particularly my wife and, uh, it go, it carries over into the gym. You know, there's something about giving a cheers with a beer that, that, that is a little bit different than bringing in a Burger King and sharing a, you know, a chicken tender. I, I think, um, yeah. Speaking of which I'm going to Oaxaca, uh, and they make mezcal there. So I'll have to bring some <laughs> back for both of you guys, even though I don't, I like even though mezcal. I don't think that, uh, Gabe, both of you yeah, guys, it's not, think it's not it's my okay, favorite, I think, not but my not favorite. as much I as I not my favorite. But... drink a nice smoky scotch or like a nice glass of red wine. Um, but actually Jay, like my, my alcohol consumption over the years has been, it's weird. Like in high school, it was at kind of a high, like we drank a good amount in high school, senior year into college, pretty, pretty high. Hell and yeah. Me too. As it like yeah. went through college, it came down. Like I didn't drink all the way through college very, very much, but then in law school, like it went back up because there was this weird party culture in law school and then it went up and now it's very, very low. It's, uh, I only drink if I have a drink, I'll have a glass of wine maybe once every two weeks now, uh, now that I'm not doing sober October, but it wasn't that hard. The sober October challenge for me wasn't super difficult, um, in terms of no alcohol. The, the food part is always tougher that I, the food element that I laced in, which was, um, no processed food. That was, that was tough, tougher. Mm. Yeah. I can't say the same about one glass of wine every two weeks, but, uh, it's on, it's on the agenda to, to, to reduce that, that down. I got, I got the jujitsu competition coming up this weekend. That should be an interesting one. So maybe I won't have a glass of wine before that, but maybe I'll have a glass of wine. After You're that, still competing. Say. You're going to go out. You're going to do it. I, I am, you know, here's the reason why there's only two guys. It's just me and another guy. That's it. And you know, but there's also the absolute division. So there's like uh, maybe 10 people in that. And, uh, I made a commitment. I want to follow through with it. Uh, it's not ideal having only one person. This, this person, uh, is, is legit, but at the same time, that, that, that feeling of like nervousness or anxiousness that I have about it tells me I should be doing it because it's going to make me a little bit uncomfortable. And so for that reason alone, I'm going to go do it. Um, I think it's an important lesson also for my kids to learn to come see me win, lose, or otherwise I put myself out there. I try something, and, um, I think that's important to show them as well. Very cool. But I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. When is that day? That's Sunday. So I don't know when this, when this releases, it probably just had happened. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, like, um, what happens in jujitsu, there's a lot of categories, right? So you have this division, this division, this weight class, this weight class. And so I'm, I'm, I'm choosing a weight class that I feel pretty comfortable in. I, I don't really have to cut weight. Um, but the guys are gonna be a little bit bigger. And, uh, this gentleman in particular, um, you know, he, he looks very, very strong and part of me wants to not do it. Uh, but the other part of me reminds myself that I should be doing that kind of stuff. And, and, um, because if, or when I am successful in that journey, it'll feel really good. And if I'm not, I'll learn something from it. So that's the plan. Mono y mono. Let's see how it goes. Hell yeah. And you're, you're currently still purple belt, right? Yeah. I mean. My, I mean, I, I think if I win the absolute here, it would, it would trigger a, a 
brown belt, but who knows? We'll see. That's a, that's something that we should chat about at some point on the podcast is the, the, the promotion culture in jujitsu and not having a similar analog in fitness. Um, you know, I've been doing jujitsu now, very, very committed to it for the past year, but I've been doing it probably for like a year and a half on and off. And, uh, I went to my promotion ceremony recently at 10th planet Portland, and it was probably one of the most beautiful things that I've experienced in the context of a gym that I had ever seen where the lead instructor got up there and the entire gym was, was there with people who could attend and they all sat by rank and the people who got promoted, the head instructor knew them all by name and told a little bit of a story about each one of them. And then called them up after the story was told or, or, you know, said their name finally at the end of the story and the whole place goes nuts and it's a very emotional um, ceremony. It was really, really cool. There's no analog to that in what we do in, in traditional uh, fitness and GPP. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know what, what could be done, um, but it is, it, it is interesting because of the different um, belt levels. And, it, and I'm sure it comes from an owner perspective with some pros and cons in some way, right? Like some people feel like they don't have the right belt and, and then there's complaining. And then, then there's also this idea from a business perspective, do you want to keep giving more belts because it keeps people there longer? I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult, but I do think the belt ceremony is something we could, we should speak about because it is special. That's a cool topic. I think um, talking about how, if it were to be implemented, how could you do it? What would be the downsides of it? How could you transfer it over into fitness? I think that that's a really interesting discussion. We should have that discussion maybe with Phil or someone else in the gypsy space. And then we should have another discussion that I want to have uh, with maybe like Savon and someone else with, with us is this idea of should combat sports be introduced to uh, the CrossFit Games? I know we've talked about this, but I think having like some, some experts on and talking about that, I think would be really uh, interesting. Here for it. I would love that discussion. I think it's really funny, really interesting too. You guys want to make it happen. Let's do it. I, I do want to make it happen. Um, well, Gabe, uh, I don't know. We're probably like an hour. Um, dude, we could just keep wrapping on, on different subjects, but uh, any uh, closing remarks for all of us or anything you want to close out on? No, man. Check out the Peter Atia Rogan podcast. Really, really interesting stuff. I'm going to do a little shameless plug here. If you haven't checked out Last Port Coffee Company, at Last Port Coffee on Instagram, local company that I started here in the Pacific Northwest. We roast locally. We source ethically. Coffee's fantastic. Jason Kalipa is our number one sponsored athlete. He's out there talking about it all the time. <laughs> his last poor coffee in the morning. You know, it's funny. I had a coffee company reach out to me and uh, I should actually screenshot and send it to MDB. And they said, hey, you know, can we send you some coffee? You know, they wanted to do some type of promotion with me. I wrote back. I'm like, hey, man, like, I'd, I'd love to try your coffee. I think you guys probably have a really cool company, but, uh, you know, one of my buddies has a coffee company. I see it as a conflict of interest. Ooh, I and, like that. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> so I'm just trying to be upfront with you. If you want to send me coffee, go ahead, but I'm probably not going to be able to support it in any other way. And, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited about, um, last port and what you guys are doing there. I'm also excited NC Fit, if you're an athlete in your garage or uh, in the gym looking for the world's best coaching uh, videos and workout, multiple different workout options every single day, the same workouts that three of us use on a regular basis, make sure you check out the NC Fit app. And if you're a gym owner or coach, I mean, this, this goes without saying, and you are not a part of the NC Fit Collective, 
at this point, I just honestly don't know what you're waiting for. And so make sure you check out the NC Fit Collective. You can email Gabe. I'm, 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 uh, I'm uh, giving up his information. Gabe at nc.fit and um, for more information about the collective. But we have the best programming session plans and business tools in the business. I know we do uh, because we actually have to have great ones. Otherwise, our gyms can't run. So we test them in our gym and we supply them to you. Hands down. Hands down the best. All right, guys. Oh, yeah. Let's All get right. after it. Have a great yeah. day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.